Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper on AFR Talk. Thank you for listening today, and we pray that you're having a good day. Uh, I'm Bert Harper, and my co-host is Nathan Harper. And Nathan, today we're going to look at world religions uh, in college, I really did not necessarily have a course called that, although we skimmed over it uh, when we would go through some of the subjects. I majored in biblical studies, but in seminary, I had a course, World Religions. And what I found out in observing is the superiority in every way of Christianity over all the other world religions if you put Christianity in that category. Now, I'm one of these that I, you hear me say it, and I say it quite often. Really, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Right. But yet it's classified. But what we want to do today is give a, would it be called a thumbnail sketch of the different religions and uh, world religions and presenting the gospel to them in an effective way? Yeah, um, we're going to take three, uh, three major world religions and, and just kind of give some bullet points. Uh, on all of these, not in a comparative sense. We're not really doing a comparative studies. We just want to give you some general basic concepts and ideas for each of these religions, uh, Hinduism, uh, Islam, and Buddhism, uh, just so you, you kind of have w- what we really want you to listen for is, is bridges to be able to share the gospel with, with friends uh, and, and neighbors and people around you who might be Hindu, might be Muslim, might be Buddhist. And sometimes you can identify them easy by the dress or by other things. Sometimes you don't know. And uh, so it's good to have a biblical view of what it is. I I thought of one, and I know you have one. Deuteronomy chapter 6, you know, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, when you do that, you can exclude two of the world religions out very quickly because of multiplicity of gods in, in some way. And uh, Islam claims to have the one God. Uh, we won't get into that. That's not a purpose. But we, we our desires is, is what I brought these up. Our desire is for them to know the one true God. Yeah, That's, that's right. our desire. And we want them to love and worship him uh, because he, he loves them. Amen. And um, we need to... We need to remind ourselves of that sometimes, right. you know, That's right. because we get a little bit tunnel visioned. And, and it's easy to criticize people of other uh, religions for being that religion or having those beliefs. But two things to consider with that. One, many, many, many of them have never heard the good news of Jesus. So it's not like they have a choice at this point in their life of what to believe. Um, second, there's a spiritual battle going on for their hearts, for their lives, um, and only by sharing the gospel can that the light go off for them. Uh, I want to read a passage real quick before we jump in. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
2 Corinthians 4, verses 4, 5, and 6. It says, Regarding them, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves because of Jesus. For God, who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, he has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's really all about Jesus. It is. That passage, you can read it in the light of his glory. Those guys on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, they saw it. But it's funny when they saw it completely as after Peter came up with the bright idea of them to build three tabernacles. He didn't know what he was asking. <laughs> he didn't does. know what he was asking. And all of a sudden, Jesus pulled back his uh, – The only way, I, I'm speaking sp- – figuratively, but he pulled back the robe of humanity and let them see the glory of God, and they had to bow and look to the ground. Just like Moses, when God passed by him in the cleft of the rock, God had to hide Moses' eyes for the glory. And uh, if people could only see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what we want to do. And we want to make these, as you said, bridges between those people. Uh, Let me say one more thing. These may be divine appointments that God gives the people who are listening to us today and to you and me, Nathan, uh, and we need to take those opportunities. That's right. So we want to uh, equip you in just a small way today uh, to be able to share the gospel uh, with with, uh, your neighbors, friends, especially maybe those you work with that maybe are from one of these three uh, religious backgrounds. Okay. Who are we going to start with? Uh, let's, talk group, yeah. say, let's talk about Hinduism. I should say. Let's talk about Hinduism. And just one thing to understand about Hinduism uh, from the start is that, by definition, Hinduism uh, is many worldviews. It's not just one thing. Uh, so you can't just find one Hindu and say, that's what Hinduism is. Uh, you find a second Hindu, and you get a broader Is that, is that the reason it's so hard to put your mind around Hinduism? I think so, I think I, so yeah. I, I found it, it was Buddhism wasn't as difficult. Uh, Islam was not as – but when I studied the Hinduism in, in seminary, uh, I left – you know, my yeah. mind, it was confusion, honestly. It, it can be confusing. Um, so we're going to do our best not to <laughs> um, make it confusing today. So uh, by definition, Hinduism is many worldviews that exist side by side, that do not claim to have one absolute truth, that does not have a single founder, a common dogma, or scripture. So it you almost th- sounds like anything goes, right? That no absolute truth may be the reason people are gravitating to it. Yeah, I, I just hear that. Yeah, our, that uh-huh. they, they don't like the idea of absolute truth. Yeah. Um, people. Yeah, it's, it's a just human nature yeah. uh, to resist that. Somebody has, has mentioned um, one, one or two ways to picture Hinduism. Hinduism is like a mall. So it's one mall, but it has many stores you can go into. You can choose some and you can ignore some. Um, same thing with like pizza. You can put whatever toppings on your pizza that you want, um, leave off the things that you don't want, but it's still pizza. And so Hinduism is kind of like that. Um, so you can in, inside Hinduism, you find Hindus that are monists. In other words, they believe there's one God. Uh, 
you have pantheists, uh, many gods, or everything is God, polytheists, many gods. Then you even have agnostic and atheistic Hindus. And it's all Hinduism. So you could see how it could be really confusing. So what you want to do is get to know the individual um, and understand their what their worldview, where they're coming from. Because just because you took a course like I did doesn't mean they line up. No, with, no. Okay. It, it doesn't mean that at all. Okay. Um, and just because you see a tikka on a, on a lady's head or someone's head, the little dot there in the right. middle of the forehead, uh, it's called a tikka. Um, that doesn't mean anything either. It, it could for that individual, but it, it might just be like makeup or something. So, you know, we can't just presuppose too much with Hinduism. Um, now, you might, here, let me give you a few terms here that sound real similar that have um, different concepts. So you have Brahman, uh, Brahman, which means ultimate reality. And then you have Brahmin with an I-N, and those are the priestly caste. And then you have Brahma, which is the God, the lowercase g, God of creation. And they're all different concepts. Let me ask you, as confusing as that is, do you think that's why it's attractive because it's confusing? I don't know. I mean, I mean the I, scripture I, we read you know, talks about that the God of this age, the enemy Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And I think this is definitely... Part of that, I think. Chaos seems to go to chaos. Yeah. I, I, uh, people who live chaotic lives, you know, they, they usually have chaos around them. And, and I see that in, in Hinduism as you're, I remember thinking that as well. Yeah. So some general characteristics of Hinduism, okay? So there are no exclusive claims. It is highly pluralistic. It is highly superstitious. And there is extreme tolerance, Except there's not in, there's not tolerance toward exclusive claims. In other words, um, if if you say you know Jesus is the only way, that's where a Hindu might become intolerant to that. So we're talking about political correctness in Hinduism line up pretty good. Together. Yeah, it, it, there's a I mean, similar I, philosophy. I don't mean to, yes, okay, right. okay. Wow, um, that that's eye opening. Uh, that's those who are listening. Hearing that and knowing what political correctness is, because people listen to AFR on a regular basis, they hear that quite often. Yeah. And now we're saying Hindu. When you describe that, it sounded a lot. Yeah, and like, Hinduism has been around for you know um, over two thousand years. Yeah, so in different forms, uh, Hinduism is elaborately ritualistic. If you ever have an opportunity to uh, see a ceremony or or some type of religious ritual with uh, alongside or cultural ritual with Hinduism, um, it's very elaborate, and um, that's a good word for it. There's temples at different places in the United States. Oh yeah, there there's places all over the U.S. and some are more elaborate than others, um, but it's a uh, it's it's definitely um, yeah it's elaborate. I don't know another word to say. It is. I I've witnessed that, and I see the ritualistic. Let me just pop in real quick. It seems many, not all, when you talk about millennials, it's kind of like you put them all in categories. I found out there's different categories of millennials, uh, but many of them I, that are even Christian are are going back to, I think, what baby boomers and, and then Generation X didn't want, and that's rituals. 
And I found that to be true with many. They, I talked to them. They said, man, I'm going back to this particular church or denomination, and, and it's ritualistic. That's uh, I, 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 that's just a side note. Yeah, that's right. But they're ritualistic. Um, let me give you quickly five concepts or five or six concepts to understand. You might have heard some of these words, okay? So we mentioned Brahman, which is ultimate reality. Um, and if— if a, if a Hindu person believes there is truly one God, one ultimate, this is who they mean, this Brahman. Okay. Um, and then Atman means Brahman in us. In other words, um, the indwelling of Brahman in, the, in our spirit. Okay. Then you have karma. You've probably heard that term. That's used by even yes, those in that are popular not, culture. Yeah, yeah. Right. So karma is the effect of one's actions and conduct that determines our destiny. Okay. Another way of saying it, what goes around comes around, that sort of thing. Um, and then there's reincarnation, which the word is samsara, and that's the eternal cycle of birth, suffering, death, and rebirth, that reincarnation. That, um, is that the idea that you hope to come back better than you died? Yeah, you hope better? to, um, but there's no, no promise of no that. No guarantee. And so when you share the gospel with a Hindu and you— you mentioned the words eternal life, which is a biblical concept. But a, a Hindu will have a hard time understanding that concept because they will think reincarnation. And that's what they are trying to escape from. They, they, they feel salvation is escaping from eternal life or eternal reincarnation. So you have to kind of be careful in how you word things when you share the gospel. Um, and then there's moksha. Moksha is salvation or actually means release. Okay, and it's released from karma. It's released from this re- uh, reincarnation, um, and so that's a good word to use if you're sharing the gospel with a Hindu person. Is how God has given you moksha, has given you salvation, and it's only through Jesus that that is given. Now, they are very works based, so there's they they're trying to obtain salvation by three different ways. One through rituals and sacrifices. Another is by devotion to a particular God. So they'll choose one of the possibly 300 million gods out there, and they will— They had more gods than the Egyptians did, in other words. It's it's just—it's really hard to comprehend this. But Mm. uh, they'll pick one, and they'll be devoted to that that God. Um, And then they try to obtain knowledge, awareness, and insight. So they're earning—you know, I mean, anyone other than Jesus and, and you know— Except for his grace, that's where we're left. We would be left with trying to earn our salvation. We know that's not possible. Uh, we know only through God's grace, through Jesus, that that, that is given to us. Uh, and so that's why this is good news. That's good news to a Hindu is you can, you can, try, you can quit trying to you know, earn your salvation. Um, there's a lot of other things about Hinduism. We're running out of time, so we're going to jump ahead. Let me just give you a few hints for sharing the gospel. Um, it's important to build genuine, trusting relationships with, with Hindu friends as you're sharing the gospel. And it's important also for that Hindu person to stay within their own family and, and social group. Uh, a Hindu person might be likely to come to church with you, and that's fine. Um, but you don't want to pull them away from their family where they can have influence in sharing the gospel with the rest of their family and their social group. So try not to extract them from, from that, that uh, sphere of influence. 
Um, and when you're sharing gospel Bible stories with, with a Hindu person, um, they already think Hindus are the easiest people to share Bible stories with. They're eager. They want to hear stories from the Bible. That's what their worldview is based on is stories. And so they just need to hear the true story. Uh, and his so, story. Yeah, his He's, story. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so um, you can, you can ta- start with stories about Jesus. And then it's important, though, to go back and, and deal with creation and how the world began. Um, and especially if you're telling stories about Jesus, tell those stories that show Jesus' power over evil spirits and Jesus' power over suffering. And uh, that's, that's something that they're very interested in. So, uh, yeah, we want to, if you're thinking of a Hindu friend that you might know, or maybe someone who's, um, maybe you go to a convenience store pretty often and you see someone there that's uh, maybe from India. Um, try There's to, a good possibility yeah, there. Yeah, that's Hindu. right. So you want to just uh, strike up a conversation and, and uh, share the good news of Jesus with them. It all starts with Jesus. He's the centerpiece of it all, isn't that's he? That's right. Amen. Well, we need to move on. Yeah, let's talk real quickly about Islam, and it's a little bit easier for us to understand um, because it's a monothe- monotheistic religion. Um, there's a lot of there seems to be more bridges and more common ground with with Islam and Christianity, so we have a easier time to understand the concepts. Um, and so, basically, the number one thing I would say that a, a typical Muslim is concerned with is um, Overcoming evil, okay, and um, overcoming the evil in their own life, the human nature that we have, uh, sinful nature, uh, the evil that's in this world. And so it's a struggle uh, to do this. Um, And they believe God has given them a path to follow and do these certain things, requirements that will help them uh, overcome and get victory. Um, but in a practical day-to-day, they may not feel that they're getting that victory. They may, may not feel that they're uh, overcoming it, and we know you can't without Jesus. Right. Um, so basically a Muslim would answer this question, what is the purpose of life? They would say it's to obey God, okay? And the actual meaning of not the word— Not knowing him, but to obey. Just to obey. Uh, the actual meaning of the word Muslim means submiss. Yes. Yeah, so a, a Muslim is one who is submitting or obeying God. Um, so life is a test of submission. Those who pass the test are those who are submissive to the guidance of God. They might sacrifice their time, money, and effort for his sake and fight their evil desires and inclinations, and that's the fulfillment of their purpose. Um, so you, that's that's the core kind of concept. Now— there's a an Arabic word for that uh, that struggle, and you hear it quite often, and we and it, and it it brings fear a lot of times. But it's the word jihad, and what jihad really means is struggle, and in its purest sense, it's this spiritual struggle. Um, now, some radical Islamists will take that and and make it mean a physical struggle against flesh and blood, um, but at its core, that's what this is talking about. Um, so there's three motivations to obey God. One is to love him, simply love and follow him for a Muslim. Another is to gain paradise and another is fear of God's punishment. And so those things are kind of driving Muslims 
to, you know, to be obedient and do what they do. Um, now, you've heard the, uh, of the pillars, right? right? So there's really six pillars of faith and five pillars of practice or of worship. Um, we typically know the five, but let me give you the six pillars of faith of a Muslim real quick. One is to believe in God. In other words, there's one God who is perfect, and a Muslim will believe that God does not beget or is begotten. Uh, he's almighty and he's creator. They also believe in the angels of God. They also believe in the messengers of God. That's who they call prophets. And there's actually in Islam 124,000 prophets. Okay, so most of the characters in the Bible, in our Old Testament, are prophets. Uh, they consider Islam. them prophets. That's right. Um, the Quran tells of 25. The Bible, what, what we said, mentions several more. Um, the chain of the prophets stretches from Adam to Muhammad. And then after Muhammad, they say prophethood has been sealed over. Um, but a prophet will answer questions like what is right and wrong, what's good and evil, um, you know, what's God like, what is God expecting of us. They're answering those what questions. What is the difference in a prophet and an imam? Um, an, Im- an imam is just a teacher in a mosque. Okay. So it's similar to like a pastor, okay. uh, a preacher in, in a church. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So um, the Holy Scriptures, they believe, that's another thing, one of their beliefs, to believe in the Scriptures of God. Uh, they believe the Holy Scriptures are the Word of God, but they include 104 books. They say um, some of those are in the Old Testament and even the New Testament, which they call the Injil. But then they add on top of that the Quran. Right. Um, they also believe in the Day of Judgment, where there will be a resurrection. Um, they believe that you should submit yourself to God's decisions, whatever those might be. And you get into a little bit of fatalism when you, when you talk about that. The five pillars, and I'm just going to mention them, and then yes. you follow up how to best witness uh, one is that uh, you you declare that there's one deity, and that being Muhammad, that God is Muhammad, okay? Five times a day of prayer. I won't go into all when. If, if you're in a Muslim-controlled country and you hear those the call to the prayer. chimes or whatever, you the call to prayer, you know when it is. Fasting, especially during Ramadan. That, are, are we through? Is it, it just w- ended this past weekend that, that we're recording That we're this. recording this. Alms giving. Uh, given, uh, not not two ten percent is it? Well, two point five. They, they're required to give two point five percent, which is actually more than what the average Christian. Yeah, gives. I know. Yeah, not what we should give. Right. Okay. And then pilgrimage to Mecca uh, once in a lifetime. Okay. Now, how in the world is there any connections that you found on your own? I, I mean, you. Yeah, I'm finding your experiences. The, the best way to connect with Muslims, of course, is through relationship, through friendship. Uh, through hospitality, inviting them over for a meal or, or sharing a meal with them in their home. Uh, and then sharing. They'll treat you. They treat you. I've experienced that. They treat you as an honored guest yeah. in their homes. Yeah, it really is an honor, and that's an important thing for them. And as far as sharing the, the word and, and the gospel with them, any sort of, you can start in the Old Testament with any of the, their prophets, Abraham. You can talk, even start with Adam. Uh, Abraham, Moses, uh, Jonah, John the Baptist. Uh, but the key focus on all of those is they are pointing to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
And that's the good news that a, a Muslim needs Again, to Again, centers around Jesus, doesn't it? That's right. Okay, let's quickly, Hinduism. Or Buddhism, yeah. A Buddhism, I'm sorry, yes. So Buddhism, they, they have uh, an understanding of the spiritual world. Um, prayer and meditation is important. Um, compassion should be nurtured. Uh, and so a Buddhist really is a spinoff of Hinduism. That's what I thought. Um, that happened a long time ago. But what they really want to do is rid themselves of all desire. Desire is evil. That's where the root of suffering and evil comes from. And so to do that, they follow what's called the Eightfold Path where they have right, a right view, right intention, right speech, right action, livelihood, effort, mindfulness, and concentration. Um, and so they're, they're really go- longing for this cessation, this ending of suffering. And the only way to end suffering is to end desire, human desire. In America, is as many Buddhists here are there, as there is Hindus, or Hindus outnumber them, or is it equal? No, there's there's... Anywhere around the world, except specific countries, there are more Hindus than uh, than Buddhists. Okay, um, and so you're more Muslim. likely to get into a, a, a Hindu if you're wondering if they're Hindu or Buddhist. More than likely, and they're more than likely you'll run into a Hindu. Okay, um, but when sharing Bible stories with a Buddhist person, start with G- stories of Jesus, and then talk just like you would with a, a Hindu. Go back to the creation of the world. And and mention you know that God one God created the world and um, but a a Buddhist is really looking to hear stories about Jesus' power over evil and suffering and that demonstrate his compassion um, showing compassion and serving your Buddhist friends and neighbors uh, really will make a mark in their in their lives um, and so they a Buddhist believes showing compassion brings merit okay. And so they need to know that Jesus has unlimited merit, and that Jesus is the one that has compassion on us. And if we have compassion on anyone, it's because of Jesus. And it's his, his compassion, his love at work in our hearts. So, again, in all three of these, the, you, a relationship is important? It's essential. You can't, essential. Do, you can't share the gospel and be a good witness to anyone of any religion, especially Hinduism, Buddhism, and Islam, usually, without building a personal relationship. Usually, if somebody comes along and wins someone to the Lord, and it was cold turkey, it's because somebody else has built a re- right. relationship with them, and they're they're ready to receive what you you may be the one that draws them in, That's right. but the work was done cultivating that beforehand. Exactly. And we got to remember, we've, Jesus has commanded us to make disciples, not converts. We're not going, we're not just trying to convert people. We want to make disciples. And it requires relationship. It requires a lot amount of time, a long, long time. So, you know, see this as a process of, uh, of discipling someone to follow Jesus. And because of the world we live in, we're talking about going around the world or across the street uh, with all the things that are going on and the people who've come to America in many of our neighborhoods, it's across the street many times, it isn't is, it? It is, just right down the street. And we need to be ready for it. We want to thank you for listening to Exploring Missions. Nathan Harper, Bert Harper with you today, uh, studying about three of the world religions and how Christ needs to be presented to them and so they can know the truth of who God is that it's Jesus Christ, and in Him you can have life. 
Have a great day as you're on mission for God. 